and with his wife, his beautiful wife. Now, oh, please come and let them see your face. She's from Osu. <laughs> Amen. So this is Reverend Nana Kofi Intiamwa Ahinkra. This is CFCC. We are happy to have you, Osofo. God bless you. Thank you very much, my senior Osofo. We can please be seated. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. If you believe that, why don't you show it by putting your hands together for him this morning. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. Show him how much you love him this morning. Show him how much you appreciate him this morning. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. He's the Holy One of Israel. There's none that can compare with Him from the east to the west, from the north to the south. He alone is God. He alone is King. He alone is majestic. He alone is glorious. Oh, give Him some praise this morning. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. My soul, praise the Lord. My soul, praise the Lord.
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of man. He came unto His own, but His own knew Him not. And the world received him not. But to as many as received him, believed in him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And out of his fullness have we all received even grace upon grace. For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by our Lord Jesus. This morning we give you thanks, Son of God. This morning, we adore you, King of Kings. This morning, we venerate you, Most Holy One. Thank you for the outpouring of your grace. Thank you for the outpouring of your power. Thank you for the outpouring of your goodness. This morning, we open our hearts, we open our minds, we yield our members to you, even as you establish in us your purpose, your will, your counsel, and your agenda. Let your will prevail in our midst. And let your will be done this morning. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In the name of he who died, rose triumphant from the grave, and is seated on the right hand of majesty. Amen. Hallelujah. We give God praise for our gathering here this Sunday morning where we are celebrating our fathers, but particularly our Father in heaven, the Father of all comfort, the Father of all spirits, the Father of all mercies, the Father of all grace. And I would particularly like to thank Reverend Dr. Emmanuel Ansa and the entire leadership of this great assembly for giving me the opportunity to minister in this pulpit. Hallelujah. It's not something I'm taking for granted in any way, shape, or form. Hallelujah. And I would also like to thank the kinsmen and the executive. Hallelujah. Through whose instrumentality, I believe, uh, I, I, I am here. Hallelujah. I've been here a couple of times um, by the grace of God and by the special permission and invitation of Reverend Doctor. Um, I've been here to look at the plumbing systems once. He invited me here. I've also been invited to be part of his book launch. Hallelujah. And I was also invited uh, for the funeral of uh, our late sister, uh, Reverend uh, Mrs. Boy. I, I was here then, and uh, last Thursday too, by the kind permission of the kinsmen, executives, uh, Mr. and lawyer and brother Morgan Esiedu, uh, I was here, hallelujah. And in all the times I was coming here, little did I know that so, so soon, very soon, I'll be uh, 
standing in this great pulpit. Hallelujah. It's the doing of the Lord. Amen. And it is marvelous in our eyes. If you believe that, put your hands together for Jesus this morning. He's a great king and he's a great God. This morning we are here to discuss a few issues on building kingdom legacies. The family, the church, and the society. It's a very broad, broad, broad and broad topic. And we can only touch on a few salient points this morning. After all, a lot has been said in the course of the week. Hallelujah. And like the last, is it a cappello group who sang? They sang on the fact that we'll build our houses, our structures, our investments, and our legacies on a rock. Hallelujah. On an impregnable rock. The rock of Jesus. The rock of the word of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. And when we build on that rock, whether it rains, whether there's a storm, irrespective of the weather conditions, it doesn't matter whether uh, Lady Catherine, there's, there's a certain storm by name Catherine. How, how they got that name, I don't, I don't know. But whether it even passes by, structures and legacies built on that rock never failed. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, you are Peter, you are Petros, you are a small stone carved or hewn out of the big rock. But on this rock, on this Petra, on this revelation that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the foundation of our families, of our churches, of our societies, of our generations. When we build on that church, on that revelation, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. Whether it's in the family, whether it's in the society, that is the only foolproof building process. The gate of hell is rising against every other institution. Talk about immorality. Talk about idolatry. Talk about um, corruption. Talk about uh, spiritism. Talk about every form of wickedness. And the gate of hell seem to be making inroads. I remember as far back as when we were in secondary school or high school, like Reverend Doc will call it, very modern and very current. Yeah, I call it secondary school. He calls it high school. Hallelujah. When we go to Form 5, at that time there was no BEC uh, or SSC. We were doing ordinary level exams, GCEO level and GCEA level. And I read science, but in our school... We would normally combine science with arts. So we would do is it four or five science and math subjects and English language. And then you have some arts. I chose geography and I combined it with economics. And then some other subjects which I have forgotten. That means that my, my interest wasn't very much in that subject. Hallelujah. We 
were writing these exams. You know, everybody was busy learning. We had had a very rough mock. The results had not been too good, particularly for me. It had fallen below my expectations. And so I really had to sit up. And I was busy preparing. Just then, there was a rumor in the school that some Apo had landed. It means Apo is questions, the exam questions. The exam papers that had been sealed and locked under special seals, the questions were known. How my mates got to know the questions, I don't know. But about a month before the paper, the questions were out. And it was so pervasive that even students who were not reading economics knew the questions. Some could quote all the eight questions verbatim. Even Form 3 students knew the questions. And it looks like I was the only person who didn't know the questions. Amazing. And some of my mates confronted me. At that time, by God's grace, I had been born again. And they knew my style. They said, Osofumeko, you call yourself Pope. Now we are going to see what you are going to do about this issue. I literally had to be closing my ears. Everybody was discussing the questions. Question, how do I keep the questions from entering my ears? You pass east, they are discussing. You pass west, they are discussing. You go forward, they are discussing. You come backwards, they are discussing. In the classroom. One time I was going to learn, so I chose a classroom where there was nobody. I was there when somebody came. And he came to tell me that he, he needs me to help him solve a certain economics problem. I suspected that it was one of the questions. But I couldn't tell him. So I said, okay. If I don't, I'll run into trouble. My name will be all over. The Antiso guy is up to his things. I helped him solve the questions. I tried very hard not to hear the questions. But there was this other side, you know, the flesh of man, which would want to hear it. It's, it's, it's normal, the flesh. The fallen nature. Hallelujah. There's always a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh lasted against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. But he says, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So I was trying to walk in the spirit very well. I tried. I kept away in spite of all the things that were going on. Some of my friends called me and told me, be smart. Don't be stupid. If, if, if all the eight questions come, people will be getting A's. You are struggling. I just said, I believe my God. We went to the exam room that day. It was the last paper. So excitement was rampant. Entered. We sat down. And when they started distributing the papers, excitement was what? There was some loud up. I mean, there was an uproar, applause. People were happy. People were shaking themselves. The apple had landed. Hallelujah. The apple had come. So, I just got my paper. And as my custom was, I bowed my head and I prayed and I committed myself into the hands of God. I wrote the paper as much as I could. We came out. People were very happy. Pretty soon we heard that Six people were caught uh, cheating. In spite of all these eight questions going around, they couldn't learn. 
Can you believe that? They took papers with answers written on into the exam room. Somewhere in socks, somewhere in all sorts of hidden corners. Hallelujah. And they brought them out and they copied. People were helping people write. Can you believe that? And six people were banned from patronizing WASI exams for six years. The whole economics paper was cancelled. Hallelujah. Amen. But by God's grace, I hear I had an A in their cons, though I was not even uh, 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 an A student. Hallelujah. It was by the grace of God. But I didn't need the accounts to go on to CISFOR since I was a science student. Recently, the issue of APOR has become so prevalent. It's come to the point that even at a BECE level, students are patronizing APOR sometimes with the assistance of their parents. And that's how far the gates of hell have gone to corrupt our children. They are targeting our children. And that's an issue. And it's so, it's so glorious to see the children, hallelujah, of the church, the children of the kingdom, our children, climb up stage, sing to the praise and the glory of God, hallelujah. He says that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings have I ordained praise, have I ordained strength, so that they will speak to the enemies at the gate. So we have a glorious hope. As I looked at the children, I said, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. We have the, a, a next generation who will carry on our legacy, our kingdom legacy. And we as parents, like our senior pastor and our, 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 our assistant senior pastor said, we as fathers have a great responsibility to nurture our children in the fear and in the admonition of the Lord. That we bring them up. We become like Abraham. Who God said that, as for Abraham, I know him. May God say that of us. As for Abraham, I know him. That he will bring up his household, not only his children. Let's not forget that Abraham had 316 men in his estates with all their families. They all constituted his household. And he says, I know him. He will bring them up in the fear of the Lord. He will bring them up to know and to walk in the ways of the Lord as Abraham does. So first of all, Abraham as a father, not only of his family, but his household and generations to come, knew the ways of the Lord, studied the ways of the Lord, walked with the Lord in righteousness, in faith, in purity, in love, in forgiveness, in humility. No wonder God bequeathed to him such a great legacy. Today, almost every religious institution is trying to lay claim on him. The Jews say Abraham is their father. Christians, we say Abraham is our father. Muslims, even Muslims are claiming that Abraham is their father. God said, out of him will come kings, great people. He will give him a great name. That's a great legacy. A great name. Hallelujah. Apart from the riches and so on and so forth. Abraham will bring up, will command. The issue of command is important. As a father, you are in control. You are in charge. You have conviction. Conviction derived 
from deep study of the word and fellowship with deep people. Hallelujah. Yes. Conviction such that your ways and your paths are ordered according to the word of God. Conviction such that your ways are not mixed mixed. One foot in the kingdom, another foot in the world. Some people tend to blend that very well. How they do it, I don't know. Because to build kingdom legacies, you, you cannot afford to do that. It's catastrophic. Hallelujah. You would have to take a stand, and a firm stand. Because the legacy is great. The legacy is awesome. Abraham's legacy was great. Hallelujah. I'll give you a great name. He says, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look to the north. Look to the south. Look to the east. Look to the west. All the lands that I see, I will give to you and your seeds and your inheritance. Forever. Eternal legacy. Legacy in perpetuity. The legacy was great. So Abraham had an awesome responsibility. And God watched Abraham. As Abraham ordered himself and his household. And God was pleased. And God said, as for Abraham, I know him. I can attest of him. I can testify of him. That he will bring up his household after him. To follow the ways of God. Not to follow philosophies of men. Hallelujah. Yeah. Philosophies of men are good for academic purposes. But when they are... They are philosophical uh, legacies. But when it comes to kingdom legacies, you build them on the principles of God's word. Kingdom principles. And Abraham learned that at an early age. And may we also learn that. Hallelujah. It's not too late to learn that. As for Abraham, I know him. He will bring up his household. To walk in the ways of God. To walk in justice. Not in biases. Not in bribes. Not in corruption. Not in illegalities. Not in unethical behavior. I'll bring, they will, he will bring them up. So that they will do justice. And do judgment. Righteous judgment. Judgment filled with the wisdom of God. Judgment premised on the fear of God. For Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And may God fill us with that wisdom. And do us with that wisdom. Hallelujah. That we will build for our children and our children's children. Perpetual legacies. It's key. It's critical. Hallelujah. And God blessed them. He gave him Isaac. Isaac married Sarah. They continued. And look at the effort Abraham put in to get a godly wife for his son Isaac. He called his trusted servant. I don't know whether I should call him Piero or chief of staff. Yes. And said, come. You, though you are not in my bloodline, because you are part of my household, you will line up according to kingdom principles. You, you will line up. The fact that you are not in my bloodline does not mean I'm leaving you free. He says, so he will command his household. He commanded his chief of staff. Put your hand under my thigh. Make a vow. 
sign a document, seal it, that you are not going to sit down for my son, Isaac, to marry any hoodious lady. To marry any, what, there's a name they are called, Fianga, Fianga, sorry, this is a pulpit. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I mean, some, some, somebody, you know what, the, the kind of person I'm talking about. Uh, somebody with a uh, 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 husband snatching property. You are not going to sit down for that to happen. Because there's a kingdom legacy. Because there's a kingdom covenant. Because there's a kingdom blessing that awaits not only my son, but generations to come. Because God has told me that out of me shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So sit up. Commit yourself. This is the game plan. You are going to travel all the way to the Euro of the Chaldees. Very far. But you will. Get your map. Whether it's Google map or it's, it's paper map. Whatever. Get your map. If you don't know that, I'll show you. When you get, you get here past this junction, turn left. Go there. You see that wilderness. Do that. So I believe they sat down and they drew the map. And Abraham questioned him. To make sure that he understood where he was going to. Because if he ends up at the wrong place. Abraham is not there. Abraham left there a long time ago. He doesn't know the women in that town. So Abraham had to make sure. So he gave him all the landmarks. And the benchmarks. Go to the house when you go look for the house of so so and so. And so so and so. And the daughter of so so and so and so and so and so. so. Hallelujah. And the guy signed the document. Then he was given all his camels. The four who drives. The V8s. Hallelujah. And then they moved. And when he got there, he too, because of Abraham's training, he was a very spiritual man. The first thing he did when he got to the outskirts of the town was to get down and thank God for journey mercies. And then he committed his trip, his assignment into God's hands and called on the Spirit of God to help him. And God sent help by his Spirit. And we know what the story is in Genesis chapter 24. And he picked a godly woman. Hallelujah. He picked a godly woman. Because the legacy was great. I've heard Christians in their conversation say that, Oh, as for this sister, she can cook for her, so she'll be a good wife. Why don't you marry her? I said, wow. Oh yeah, it's good to have a wife who cooks well. My wife cooks well. Your wife cooks well. Hallelujah. But that is too feeble for the kind of legacy we are talking about. It's not about whether it's kenke or fried rice or dollop rice. It's more than that. We need that to keep the body. But for our spiritual legacy, you need somebody who can cook spiritual meals. Hallelujah. Amen. And feed their children. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, my senior support. Hallelujah. It's serious. When it was Lot's time, you know Lot, Lot and Abraham, they were moving. Lot was Abraham's nephew. Bible tells us that at the time that the angels, they came to Sodom to come and destroy and overthrow and overturn Sodom and Gomorrah. At that time, Lot had given his daughters to men of Sodom and Gomorrah to marry. And when it got to the time, that the angels told him that we are going to destroy the land, but we are going to deliver you. Hurry up 
mop up. Get ready. Talk to as many of your, your, your kinsmen as possible. He talked to his sons-in-law. And Bible says that when Saul talked about it, it was like mocking words before them. The sons-in-law. Mocking words. He had given his daughters to mockers and scholars. No value for spiritual legacy. Lot, a righteous man. Second Peter 2 calls him righteous. Yes, he was because of his association with Abraham. He was righteous. His righteous soul was vexed. But he failed at many points. He compromised at many points. Regrettably. When they got to the plains around the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham and Lot. Bible tells us that Abraham was rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. Not only was he rich, but he was very, very rich. And Lot was also blessed. He was rich in flock, in herds, and in tents. Tents means that, let's just say he was a contractor. Hallelujah. Yeah. At that time, they were moving in tents. So he was a contractor. I don't know if he could build a nice structure like this. I don't know. Hallelujah. He was into estate development. He was an entrepreneur par excellence. Yes. He had flock. He had herds. An agrarian business person. He was blessed. I believe that the, the, the value chain upstream and downstream, he was involved in all. Maybe in some butchery, in some abattoirs. He was a multi-million business man, whatever the currency was. He was blessed. And there was a strife between the workers of Abraham and the workers of Lot. They were in one land, one big land. Let's just say the whole of this area, cantonments, and add Labadi to it. But the land couldn't contain them. But there was a lot of space beyond. So Abraham said, My brother Lord, my nephew Lord, I beg you, this strife our workers are involved in is not necessary. There's a lot of land. You look, choose one part. Whatever you choose, what is left, me, I will choose. Can I believe what Lord did? He put his hands around his waist, did a 90 degree turn, did a 180, added a 270, ended up with 360, and then he looked at the plush part. Bible says that that place had natural irrigation. The land looked good, attractive. It looked like he will flourish there. What about his uncle? Who brought him? The uncle that when God was calling, Lord's name was not in. It was just by favor and by mercy that he joined the uncle. And your uncle has brought you out of idolatry to come and get a wonderful legacy for yourself. Instead of you to say that, oh uncle, you are my head. You are my boss. So I beg you, you choose the part which is better for you. And whatever is left, I will take it. Or you choose for me. He gleefully and gladly and opportunistically chose the green part and left the patched lands to the uncle. Then the uncle said, thank you very much. God bless you. That land is yours. 
And Bible says he moved his stuff, his business. He re- relocated to a city that was near to Sodom. But Bible adds that, but the men and the inhabitants of Sodom were exceedingly wicked men and women. So he picked himself up for trouble. The moment he left, God spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, lift up your eyes. Look to the north, look to the south, look to the east, look to the west. All the land, the land that belongs to the Canaanites, the Gegashites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Hittites, and all the Ittites, I'm going to give to you. Hallelujah. Abraham said, Father, I thank you. I receive it. Of course, Jesus had not yet done. He would have added in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So, Lot goes there, but Lot missed it. You see, Abraham responded to the offer by the Spirit. God spoke to Abraham before he accepted the offer. Lot responded to the offer by the flesh. He looked at what his fleshly and carnal eyes told him. And he took a major decision based on that. And that is where Lot missed it. And he paid for it dearly. Bible tells us that at the time the angels came, Lot was in the front of the gate. He was seated in the front of the gate. His position had changed. First he was seated outside. Now he had gone in. He had blended with the society well. Lot had become a big man. A respected person. In Sodom, when you enter and you are looking for any building around, you can refer, you can use Lot's house as a benchmark. His houses, his estates, his farms. He had become a big man. And he had been accepted. So much so that he had even given his, his daughters as wives to the people of the town. When his uncle Abraham was sending for godly seed, he had blended with them. He was flowing with them. Yes, he, was do, he probably might have been doing morning devotion. Yes, with his family. But when he does the morning devotion, it enters here, it goes out here, and out it goes. Because the morning devotion never reflected in the life of the daughters. It never did. By the time they are through with the morning devotion and they hit town to go and visit their friends, the council of the ungodly overthrows what they had in the morning devotion. They were surrounded and submerged in wickedness. And Bible says the unrighteousness of the Sodomites vexed the soul of Lord. One day, four kings rode against five kings. The kings of the one was called Tida, the king of the nations, Chedalaoma, and uh, something, something, hallelujah, some wonderful names. They wrote against five kings, including the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, they had been paying tributes, taxes, monies to these four kings for 12 years. And in the 13th year, they did a looter. They rebelled, we are tired. We won't pay any tribute again. Then the four kings said, eh, you don't know us, eh? We'll show you, Pepe. So they came and they launched an attack against the five kings. And they overpowered the five kings. And they took all their goods, their wives, their children, all their legacies away. And Bible says that, and they took Lot also and his wife and his family and his property along. Abraham had some friends. 
And information got to Abraham. And Abraham said, uh-uh, wrong number. Not somebody who is related to me. Ah, because his word says that, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved, you and your household. Lot, in spite of his misbehavior, is part of my household. Devil, forget it. I'm coming after you. Abraham mobilized his 316 powerful men, his army, and they ran after these four kings. And Bible says that they overcame them. And Abraham recouped all they had stolen. And he recouped Lot. Hallelujah. He brought back Lot. Oh, look at the spirit of Abraham. So loving, so forgiving, so humble. No wonder God entrusted into Abraham's custody this powerful legacy. He had what it takes. He had it. Hallelujah. Now Abraham, oh, chrome, spiritually, oh, chrome. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. He was in town. Pa. He didn't let his riches pass through his head. Lot was delivered. Lot, I think that at that point in time, what Lot could have done was to tell Abraham that, Abraham, I made a mistake. I'm retracing. I went to live around Sodom. Eh, there are other lands. I beg you, give me some of the other lands. As for these wicked people, I cannot stay with them. He did not do that. He continued staying with them. Till the angels came. And when the angels came, Lot was sitting in front of the house. In the gate, sorry. And he bowed before them. He identified them. He was still spiritually alert. Hallelujah. He knew who these people were. And then he took them home. Served them nicely. Gave, gave them a, a powerful guest room. Maybe some nice air-conditioned rooms. So Lot was feeling good. He had taken very good care of his visitors. And he probably might have told them his accomplishments and how he's very well respected in the town and so on and so forth. He was there when he heard drums, singing, shouting, coming. What was the problem? A band of rapists, armed rapists, headed towards his house. They came to knock at his door. Lord, Lord, those two men who have entered your house, bring them out. We want to know them. Hey! What kind of embarrassment is this? I've had visitors. Well-known people. Well-respected people. Angels have come to visit me. And these people want to come and violate them. Look at the embarrassment. Lord goes in front of the house. He goes to try to negotiate. They say, set aside. Who do you think you are? Are you a judge? Come on, you wait. When we finish dealing with them, we'll come to you. Lord said, oh, I beg you. You, I have two daughters who are virgins. Can you believe that? Lot was lost. He didn't know what he was saying. King James would say he wished not what he said. Hallelujah. He was lost. I'll give you my daughter who are virgins. That you can violate them. But as for these two people, stop. And isn't it interesting that the daughter, the daughters were still virgins after they had married? Because Bible says that his sons-in-law, the following day he spoke to his sons-in-law. Hallelujah. So it means they were married. How could they have been virgins? Hallelujah. Either the husbands were not serious people. They were involved in other practices. Hallelujah. 
And Lot did not know and had given the daughters to these people. Married but still virgins. Hallelujah. They were sacked from the place. The angels said, we are coming to overthrow the land. We are coming to burn the land with sulfur, with heat. Hurry up. God has had mercy on you because of Abraham's intercession. Bible says that and when the angels got there, they remembered Abraham and they delivered Lot. That is a powerful legacy. Yeah. A legacy that he enjoyed from Abraham because of Abraham's commitment to the things of God, to kingdom values. He escaped by the skin of his teeth. Even when he was told to hurry up, he was still, mm-mm, he talked to the sign, blah, blah, blah. Nobody would go with him. Eventually, he was left with his wife and his two daughters. They were given an instruction. Hurry up and go. Nobody should turn back. On their way, the wife, who had been polluted, turned back against the word of the Lord, became a pillar of salt. So, uh, uh, Lot eventually was the husband of salt. Hallelujah. They went and they went and they went. Eventually, they got beyond Zohar and got into the mountains. And Lot had to go and settle in a cave with his daughters. Can you believe that? A one-time rich businessman, an entrepreneur, a, a business mogul with investment, with houses, with furniture, with vehicles, with instruments. He lost all. He lost all. Nothing to show for his years of effort. And even the money he invested in the wedding of his daughters, he couldn't even get a grandchild for that. He was there, alone with his two daughters. That ends the story of Lot in the Bible. Abraham's story continues. Abraham is spoken about in Genesis. He's spoken about in Exodus. He's spoken about, he's spoken about in the New Testament. Lot is not spoken about again till 2 Peter chapter 2. His story ended abruptly, unfortunately, till 2 Peter chapter 2, where God said that God knows how to deliver the righteous from amongst the unrighteous, even when the situation is complex. That is the setting in which. It means that Lot's situation was a complex one, but God knew how to deliver him. Through the intercessions of Abraham, through the commitment of Abraham. In Luke, the wife is spoken about. That's all. No mention of Lot again. He could have had great and mighty legacies. Let's look at the legacy that he left. As they were in the cave. When he was thinking about himself and his misery and his sorrow. Bible tells us that the daughters schemed. They plotted something. They said, listen. This place we are, <laughs> nobody knows we are even here. The nearest town, all the men have been destroyed. We are left here. How are we going to get men to marry and make babies? That was their worry. That was their worry. So they skipped something. Let's make our father drunk. Then you, big sister, Bible doesn't even mention their names. Big sister, you will go in first. Then you get a baby. Then me too. I will do the same. And I will go in. And I will also get a baby. Look at how spot the daughters were. That, that is incest. That's licensing of the highest order. I, 
don't you respect your father? Look at how the Sodomites had bitten into their minds, their spirits. Where did they get that alcohol from? For me, that's the question. Where did they get it from? Were they brewers of, of alcohol? Which type of alcohol? Because the Bible tells us that the guy got so drunk, he was knocked out completely. He says that Lot did not know when they came in, nor they went out. Chances are that Lot only found out after they started vomiting. Hallelujah! Because Lot did not see what happened. They, they perfected the act. They did it. They executed it so well. Lot did not know. Because Lot would not have agreed to it. So where did they get that potion, that potent thing? Is it that when they were coming, they had time to pick it from Sodom and put it into their thing and come, knowing that they had a plan? How did they do it? This shows how spoiled these girls were. And that leaves us with a responsibility. One leg in, one leg out can be disastrous. Hallelujah. If we are committing, let's commit fully. Amen. If we are committing, let's commit fully. Amen. Hallelujah. Bible tells us in Joel 2.28 that, But it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Your servants and your handmaidens will also prophesy. And you see signs and wonders in the heavens. That is the heritage. That is the legacy of the righteous. The righteous seed. Moving in tandem with the spirit of God. You said that, ah, but they are young children. Go and ask Samuel. At what age? Did Samuel hear the voice of God? Hallelujah. Amen. Go and ask David. At what age did David start writing the Psalms? I'll pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. These are days of the outpouring of the spirit of God. And we ought to key it into it with our children and our children's children. And build legacies, spiritual legacies. Let them know that things of the spirit take primary positions in our lives. Academic work is good. We all schooled. And we are still schooling. Physical exercise is good. We all exercise. At least in one way or the other. Even by driving, we are exercising. Hallelujah. Amen. We may not be doing press-ups and stuff like that, but we are doing some kind of exercise. Physical exercise profited a little. But, godliness, godliness, godliness with contentment is great gain. It's invaluable. Hallelujah. Amen. Bible says that little wealth gotten through godliness is much better than riches and wealth gotten through ill means. And may we bring our children up knowing that. Hallelujah. Because it gives to us perpetual legacies and dividends. Why weren't Lord's daughters moving in the things of the Spirit? <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, this is a, pro- a promise of God. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord. 
and delighted greatly in his commandment. His seed shall be mighty in the earth. Why were the daughters not mighty? Something went wrong. What went wrong? Partial commitment. One leg in the world, one leg in the kingdom. I hear Christians say that, hey, Osafu, hey, I say, where are you there? Hey, Bible, they are fighting to tell you. Put Bible aside. Let's talk reality. Let's talk reality. Hey. A born again man, born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word, you are putting Bible aside to talk reality. So it means to you, Bible is not real. The Lord pardon us. And may such statements never come out of our mouths. If they are in our hearts, we expunge them in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The legacy of Lot. Lot's elder sister, no, sorry, elder's daughter, gave birth to Moab. Hallelujah. Moab, the father of the Moabites. And the younger daughter gave birth to Ben-Ami, the father of the Ammonites. Let's look at their heritage. Moab stood between Israel and her getting to the promised land. As Israel moved through the wilderness, they got to a land that had been dedicated to Moab. When Moses was given an instruction to share the land as an inheritance among the people of Israel, God told Moses that the land of Ar, I have given it to the Moabites because they are your nest of king. So don't touch that land. Leave it to them. Go after the Hittites. Go after the Hivites. Go after the uh, 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 Perizzites and whoever they are. But leave that land. For the Moabites. God had mercy on them. And the Ammonites don't touch their land. When, after 400 years of captivity, when Moab and the Ammonites had developed their cities, their structures, their highways, had put in all sorts of bridges, Dubai Bridge and Sankara Bridge, and so on and so forth. And the people of Israel got there on their way to their promised land. Moses went to see the elders of Moab and said, we are brethren. This land, we even have shares in. Because we are brethren. We beg you. We want to pass through your highway. We won't touch any of your, your stuff. We won't touch any farm produce. We won't touch anything. Just let us pass through. Even if it is water, we'll pay for it. If it is bread, we'll pay for it. Just let us pass through. The Moabite said no. We won't. We won't. Hey! Moses was going on his knees, pleading. They said they won't. So the children of Israel had to do a detour, a very long and tortuous way, in a very desert area, with heat, with sun, blistering heat. They were suffering. They were thirsty. Some of them were partially weak. As they went through the desert, they went through sand. There were venomous vipers there. But because of the protection of God, the vipers could do them no harm. Till they started complaining. They started murmuring. They started grumbling. Then the, the vipers got at them. Started biting them. And they called on God. And God told Moses, raise a brazen serpent. So that anyone who is bitten by the serpent, as he looks at it, the person will be detoxified. And then the person will be well. That preserved the people of Israel. And then they went. 
Later on, Balaam, the king of Moab, saw the people of Israel approaching the plains of Moab. Then he went to hire a prophet by name Balak. That Balak, you, Uncomsheno, you are prophet one. When you say it comes to pass, you can mention the name in detail, mention bank details. Yes, when you curse, it works. When you bless, it works. We know the prophetic meetings you've had all over the place. The prophetic uh, uh, crusades you've had. And the masses of people who have attended. There are some people coming. They are great people. But we know you can overcome them. These are their weaknesses. So please, we beg you, test them. Go against the will of God. God has said that they will enter a promised land. We are their cousins. But we don't want them to be greater than us. Go against the will of God. Hallelujah. So, of course, God did not allow Balak to curse them. When we go to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, Bible tells us that, And God issued an instruction to Moses that the Moabites, an Ammonite or Moabite, shall not enter the assembly of the Lord, even to the tenth generation. None of his descendants shall enter the assembly of the Lord forever. They were banned from entering the assembly of the Lord forever. Please go to the next verse. Because they did not meet you with bread and water on the road when you came out of Egypt. And because they hide against you Balaam, the son of Baal, from Petal of Mesopotamia, to curse you. That was the heritage of Lot. That was the legacy that Lot left to stand against the will, the purpose, and the agenda of God. In the time of King Solomon, I'm wrapping up, in the time of King Solomon, King Solomon married many women, some from the Ammonites, some from the Moabites, for political gain, I believe. And Bible says, they turned his heart from following the Lord fully. He didn't say they turned his heart from following the Lord completely. From fully, it means it was part, partial. And Solomon lost 11 out of the 12 tribes. Hallelujah. Ammonites, Moabites, had become big nations, big institutions, and they had national gods. The national god of the Ammonites was called Molech. And the national god of the Moabites was called Chemosh. These people invaded the worship of the people of Israel and brought the people of Israel down to their knees to worship their God instead of Yahweh, instead of our God, the true God. That was the legacy. To Chemosh was offered worship. Chemosh means subjugation. He was subduing lands. Lands God had given to them, they attributed to the lordship of Chemosh. And they were conquering areas around. They were mighty. Why? Because they thought of, they thought it was the worship of Chemosh. He became a big issue. National and international worship. Then was Molech, where child sacrifice really began. People were offering their children, putting them in fire. And temple prostitution, where women dedicated their daughters to be temple prostitutes just because of the worship of Molech. 
adultery, idolatry, immorality, which is pervading and invading our society. Because of the legacy of Lot. But thank God Jesus is building his church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. The gates of hell will not prevail against us. His people, his church, his families. And we will take charge. Let's not sit down for certain legal and secular institutions to want to regulate our activities as the body of Christ. They do not have what it takes. Jesus is Lord. He is our Lord. And He's given us authority, the fivefold ministry gifts. They have endowment. They are an extension of the government of God. They have what it takes. Let's not sit down for somebody who is controlled by the spirit of the Antichrist. Come and tell us, dictate to us what we should do. That's the risk. But now who cause them? Who cause them? When people are misbehaving on the radio and television stations under the name of ministry. May God lift a standard. Isaiah 59, 19. He says that when the enemy rises like a flood, I, the almighty God, by my spirit, will lift a standard against the enemy. May God lift a standard by you. May God lift a standard by your family. May God lift a standard by your children to stop and quench every work of the enemy so that we can live a godly, a prosperous, a righteous legacy for our generation and generations to come. If Jesus tarries, God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. We can do better for the Lord.